Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lives of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Jets Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about dogs, captains, trash, hiccups, Morocco, and tribal dancing. Let's get on with the show. So uh, we landed back in the United States, and I'm a commuter, so I'm always excited to get home on time or early. And the captain, who had been really a nice guy, um, really friendly, uh, he said, "Uh, see, I got you here on time. And I'm like, yes. And he goes, "Uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm a super captain. And I was thinking, yeah, okay, yeah, you got me here. Yeah, if you want to be called super captain, you can be called super captain. And he opened his jacket to expose his epaulets, which a captain usually has four stripes, and he had five. And he said, you know, it's funny, nobody ever really noticed. I didn't notice. And um, he said, uh, I'm a super captain. <laughs> he said he got the epaulets from a retired pilot. And he said, usually nobody noticed. But one time, a tiny Asian flight attendant, um, girl asked him, um, kind of shy, why, why do you have five stripes instead of four? And he said, oh, well, the president of the airline selects three pilots to be super captains each year. And I got to be chosen as a super captain. So she went and told the other flight attendant, she's like, guess what? We've got a super captain today. (laughs) Yeah, super captain. Okay, so something happened? Yeah, we were in the galley, and this dog just came back. So we had to make an announcement and say, whose dog is it? Lost and found. Dog on the run. Dog on the run. (laughs) Or it could be, who let the dogs out? 
took a little quick Christmas trip to Montego Bay. I uh, The hotels were cheap because, you know, the pandemic and all. And uh, some people might say you shouldn't travel, but um, I'm at the airport for work. So it's not like something out of the norm for me. And uh, it's quite easy for me to social distance when there's nobody at the hotel. <laughs> And I can swim. And anyway, uh, I had been to this uh, hotel before, and um, there was good snorkeling. And um, it was interesting because I'd been there before. It was mainly U.S. tourists, but now uh, because people aren't traveling, etc., and you have to take a test, you have to do a health authorization. You know, people aren't traveling as much, understandably. So it was mainly Jamaicans at the hotel. It was kind of nice and refreshing to be the minority for a change. And uh, I really liked that the Jamaicans, um, it's an all-inclusive place and they have shows in the evening. And uh, probably because there weren't as many tourists, the shows were kind of um, inexpensive shows. <laughs> I really enjoyed them. And the Jamaican people, they were all up for singing and dancing and it was like audience participation, quite lovely. So anyway, I had gone to this place because it had good snorkeling. I had been there before, but this time... It was kind of like, wah, wah, wah. I was like, the water's so low. I would swim out behind this island. There was a really nice reef back there. But I couldn't swim out there because the water was too low. So basically, you just scrape yourself on the coral. You also don't want to mess up the coral. So I asked one of the locals. He goes, oh, yeah, it's because it's a new moon. And he was like, the water would be higher on Saturday when I was leaving on Friday. So it was like, wah, wah, wah. But um, there was still, and he also, uh, another guy said, oh, well, there in that channel by the buoys, the water is deep enough for you to snorkel. It's just there wasn't any coral. And so I was kind of like, well, this is kind of uh, dull. But um, then I decided, uh, well, I had seen some like potato chip bags, some water bottles, some glasses like uh, on the ocean floor. So then I decided, well, um, since the snorkeling isn't that great, I'll uh, do some volunteer snorkeling. I'll do some volunteer work. So basically, I'd just snorkel around and I'd see, okay, there's that chip bag I saw earlier. So I'd dive down, pick it up. And then it's like, how am I going to swim holding trash? And I was wearing a rash guard, you know, a swim shirt. So I'd stuff it in my shirt. And then it's like, oh, there's that water bottle. Dive down, put it in my shirt. And um, I was actually enjoying myself. I know that's a strange thing, picking up trash. And then I'd get into shore and uh, out of my shirt, I'd pull a bunch of trash into the trash bin. And I must have been quite the sight because I did this numerous times. And the local people, the Jamaicans were like, the one white girl is, she's got a bunch of trash in her shirt. <laughs> she's pulling trash out of her shirt. But here's the other thing. And I think it's just kind of like life and karma. But because I think... I had kind of given up on the good snorkeling and because I had decided to uh, do volunteer ocean work, <laughs> I saw all kinds of things. I saw two lionfish. I saw like five different uh, stingrays and different types of stingrays and little stingrays. And what I, I didn't know what it was. It turned out to be an electric ray. Uh, I saw all kind of good fish, I think mainly because I had let my expectations down or maybe because I was spending a lot of time out there looking for trash. But anyway, turned out to be a great trip. And the music for this show, I recorded, it was one of the shows at the hotel, and I thought she had a great voice, and it was nice, the audience was so involved, and they were singing too, and I thought it was sweet. Okay, so something happened, was this a long time ago? Yes, in 1978, <laughs> uh, 
it's back before you were held at the gate for weather delays. They just sent everyone everywhere, and then you'd circle every thousand feet all around until you got clearance to land. And, right. and then if you ran out of fuel, they'd divert you to the alternate for more fuel so you could come back and circle again. Lots of circling. <laughs> yeah, lots of circling. We started out in Houston, and all, that's all we were going to do that day was go Houston-Chicago layover. It's supposed to be a two-hour and ten-minute flight. We check in. We get up to the airplane. We brief with the captain, and the captain said, we have a two-hour gate hold, which is unheard of, because of weather. So you have a two-hour gate Gate hold for weather, which back then in 78 was unheard of. So you knew knew there was bad, really bad weather in Chicago. Um, The agent comes marching down the jetway. He goes, we're boarding, we're boarding. And the captain goes, no, we're not boarding. We have a two-hour gate hold. And the agent says to the captain, the plane is not yours on the ground. It's mine, and we are boarding. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> we're not too thrilled because we, back then we didn't have holding or delay pay. We were going to have all these people on the plane, and we were going to be serving, and we weren't going to get paid anything. Right. So the agent boards. It's completely full. And and then the captain turns to the agent, and he goes, are you done with your boarding process? And the agent goes, oh, yeah, we're all finished. He said, good. Then you can back the jetway away. We're going to pull out because my girls are going to get paid. Oh, that was nice. So (laughs) we're out there for the two hours, and we're serving. We go through every bit of liquor we had, every bit of soft drinks we had, juices, all the ice. Before you even took off. Before we took off. So the captain calls catering. Catering comes out and completely resurfaces the airplane. So we finally take off. And because of winds and whatever, instead of 2.10, the flying time was probably more like 2.5 or 2.40. Um, and we're serving a meal and all, then all this liquor, all this stuff. Well, we get up to Chicago and as I said, you know, they didn't really, they just let you circle in these 1,000 feet circles of airplanes until it was your turn to sequence into land. And if you ran out of fuel, then you were given your alternate. Well, we ran out of fuel. So we were given our alternate, which was Milwaukee. We get to Milwaukee. And this passenger comes up to the captain, and all we're doing is refueling. We're not at a gate. Uh, and he goes, can I get off here? <laughs> and, the captain, and the captain goes, no, you can't get off here. We don't, we're not even at a gate. We're going right back to Chicago. <gasps> okay. So the passenger goes back and sits down. We take back off again and circle for a little, finally get into Chicago nine and a half air hours oh my God. <laughs> after all of this and as the passenger's deplaning he goes thanks for the great flight but milwaukee was my final destination <laughs> oh, <good laughs> <Lord. That's horrible>. <laughs> <laughs> the captain was beside himself he was just why didn't you tell me that <laughs> So I was coming into the United States, uh, basically on initial descent, and there was a woman, and she was talking to the person across from her, and she seemed upset, and I said, uh, is there a problem? And she goes, I think I gave my dog too much doggy dope, whatever she gave them. People call it doggy dope. I don't know exactly if it's like um, Benadryl, or I don't know what they give them, but they give them a sedative to be on a flight so they don't do anything crazy, and... uh, she had a big dog, and she goes, "I think I gave him too much. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to be able to walk off the plane." And I was like, "Hmm." 
And she goes, I think what I'll do is I'll just, I'll just drag him on his stomach. And I was like, what? I said, um, you're going to drag him on his stomach? I said, do you realize how far it can be uh, to go through the customs immigration? It's, it's not a short distance. I don't think you can drag the dog on its stomach. And she's like, well, I don't know what else to do. It's not like I can give him coffee. So uh, I said, um, I went to look to see what gate we we're getting into. And uh, one of the concourses, we have two international concourses. And one of them is they don't have the custom and immigration open because you know there's so many fewer flights it's just a cost saving measure so if you go into the one you got to walk all the way to the other concourse and I've actually clocked it because it's important to me because I'm usually trying to catch a commuter flight and it's a long way and it's like um I have my little watch that has the steps it's 1,200 steps so I go back to her and I said you can't drag that dog for 1,200 steps I said well just get you a wheelchair and you can put the dog in the wheelchair and she's like you get me a a wheelchair for my dog? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's a doggy wheelchair. Dog on the run. Dog on the run. <laughs> or it could be, who let the dogs out? Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> this is uh, 747, back in the Pan Am days. Based, based in London. We had done a nice long layover in LA. We're heading back to LA now. I mean, back to London from LA. And we got the carts out. We're doing the service. And we hear that bang, the loud noise. Uh -huh. We hear that, or oh, you feel the rush of cold air. Right. And you see the little fog in the cabin. So one of the doors on the back outer part of the tail had come open. Oh. Masks drop. We sit down. First, I'm like, "This is this is happening." Yeah. We, we got we got to get a mask. Yeah. My husband was with working with me also oh, on that he was. trip. He's like, "We got to sit down, get a mask." Like this is real. This is real. <laughs> this is happening. So we did. And then after a while, the captain came on and said, "What are the good safe attitude attitude now?" So y'all can get up and stow your stuff. And but you know, so few people have actually been through a decompression. And that was the rapid one. And then we took care of all the trays. Of course, we had the meals out. We picked everything up, returned to LA. Before that, we dumped a bunch of fuel. So circled, circled. How were the passengers? They were they were good. Really? No, there was just a few that were kind of freaking out. Yeah. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, no, in general, they're better than you think. Quick. Yeah. It was over quick. Yeah. They get all the passengers off. You know, you're supposed to, after decompression, you're really supposed to have a doctor right. kind of come and check. and. That didn't happen. Pan Am said that we were going to work that 747 up to San Francisco. Oh, really? No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Sorry you almost crashed, but here's a trip. Here's a new trip. <laughs> here's yeah. A new trip yeah. yeah, I don't think so. We, yeah. After a little tug and war, we did not do that yeah. trip. Yeah, yeah, we spent the night. I want to thank you. Any of you who were so kind and generous when you were going to buy something on Amazon, you went to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. It doesn't cost you any more. It supports the show. And I like to see what people buy. Somebody bought a Lego City fire station. Somebody else bought a Choco Love Salted Almond Butter Dark Chocolate Bar. And I think that was Christine because I got an email from Christine saying she saw it on my Amazon page and said it ruined her diet. And, and then, okay, I want to tell a little story in Jamaica. I'm walking in Jamaica, 
at the beach. And there was a part of the beach where you really couldn't walk. You had to go up on this deck and then go back down to the beach. Walking on that deck, I went to know it, this big piece of wood, a splinter, jammed right up in my foot. And I was like, put the F word here. <laughs> it's like, this stuff can ruin your trip, especially if you're doing a lot of walking. Um, it was in a place at the bottom of my foot, which I couldn't get to. I really tried to get that splinter out, but I, it, where it was on the bottom of my foot, I couldn't really get to it. I couldn't see it very well. I didn't have the tools I needed. And uh, there was, luckily, there was a nurse station there. I was able to go to the nurse, and she was like, man, this is a big splinter. She said she had to take it out in three pieces. But then she put an old fashion band-aid on the bottom of my foot. And I'm thinking, this isn't going to stay on the bottom of my foot, walking at the beach or swimming. But luckily, uh, my trip about a year and a half ago, I went to Portugal. I was wearing new shoes. I got these terrible blisters. And I went to a pharmacy in Portugal, and they had these great blister uh, band-aids. They're called Compede, and they like cushion the blister. They help heal it. You can walk like you don't have anything wrong with your feet. So um, when I got home from that trip, I was like, I'm sure it's not just Europe that has better band-aids. So I spent a little time in the band-aid aisle, and I upped my band-aid game. <laughs> Sure enough, just like anything with technology, there's better stuff out there. None of these are sponsors, but I do have them on my Amazon page because a, a better Band-Aid doesn't take up any space in your suitcase and it can save your trip. There's this stuff called Tegaderm film, and it's a clear film you can put on any wound. And it's so it doesn't have you're not like we're walking around with the ugly band aid, it's waterproof, it can stay on for days. You don't even know it's there. I mean, it's fantastic. So, I put that on where I got that um, splinter, and I was able to swim, I was able to snorkel, and you know, it can really save a trip. And if you want to go on my Amazon page, it is www.amazon.com slash shop slash skybetty. I also have a link to my Amazon page on my website, and maybe you want to up your Band-Aid game. And I thank you very much. In the last two podcast episodes, I read from my journal from my long ago India trip. And guess what? That journal just stopped. I guess, you know, I have a short attention span. So here is a reading from my trip to Morocco in January of 2000, so 21 years ago. And it starts, After India, I developed a yearning for adventure travel, but it's taken me almost two years to manage another big trip. At this very moment, I'm waiting to board an Air France plane to Casablanca. The flight from L.A. to Paris was thankfully uneventful. I got to sit in business class while my friend had to slum it in coach. She used her frequent flyer miles for her ticket. It's actually humorous that she is a non-airline employee but is flying for free, yet I'm paying $165 for the Paris to Casablanca portion. But hello, I can hardly complain about paying $165 to get to Africa. We had a six-hour sit in Paris, which actually went by rather quickly. I had a slight bathroom adventure. I went to the ladies' room to find a man looking lost. I questioned if I was in the correct bathroom, but thankfully he was the one that was wrong. Then I realized too late that there was no toilet paper in my stall. Normally, in such a situation, I would reluctantly air dry or drip dry. <laughs> 
However, seeing how we still had like a full travel day in these clothes, not to mention having to wear them probably numerous times in the upcoming weeks, I decided to venture out of the stall bare butt exposed in search of toilet paper. I made it to the next stall undetected, thank goodness, with my pants around my knees, only to find that there was no toilet paper in that stall either. Such a dilemma. Should I go bare-assed again in public or not? Well, I opted for cleanliness and bolted to the next stall, and luckily success. But by this time, I was almost dry anyhow. Thank goodness the lost man didn't venture in when I was half-naked. I just saw the Eiffel Tower out the window. That's the first time I've ever seen it. It was pretty and all lit up against the night sky. Our hopes for this trip are to go to Marrakesh, visit Essaouira, and then with any luck, we can arrange a camel safari in the Sahara Desert. My first full day in Africa, we got up and had an overpriced Holiday Inn breakfast, and then took a taxi to the wrong train station, but after that, things went quite smoothly. We got to the correct train station and boarded the train to Marrakesh. We sat next to two very friendly and talkative Moroccans. Next, we took a taxi to our lovely hotel, the Maison des Arabes. This place is full of Moorish beauty. There were roses everywhere, not to mention elaborate archways and antique, or should I say ancient, windows that adorned the walls. We ventured out to the Medina to find snake charmers and acrobats and stalls that sold olives, mint, and fresh steamed snails. <laughs> Our friendly train companions wanted to meet us for tea, but this turned out to be a ploy to sell us rugs. Oh well, no harm, no foul. We came upon a rooftop terrace to enjoy a coke. There we met three young men who would possibly arrange our camel safari. Yusuf or Joe also invited us to his house for dinner. We were indecisive after our train companion rug-selling mishap. We went, and dinner we enjoyed a Moroccan feast of olives, couscous, and chicken. The trip seemed very promising at this point. Next, we got up and had our usual breakfast of coffee and bread with butter and jelly. Then we managed to change some money and get bottled water and secure a taxi to Essaouira. The taxi ride took about three hours, and almost immediately upon arriving in Essaouira, we were thrilled that we had decided upon this delightful seaside town. We found a positively beautiful hotel right in the Medina for $50 a night, and this hotel had been the focus of numerous magazine features. It was full of roses and had a cottage-by-the-sea charm. Every nook of the hotel exuded beauty and charm. Our room was the oddest hotel room I have ever seen. It looked like something out of a magazine. But it was tiny and basically in the old watchtower. You went up the stairs off the rooftop terrace and there was our tiny room with an elevated bed and white linen covered futon. The pillared windows looked down to a 180 degree view of the ocean. I could even see a camel walking along the coast. The hotel name was Villa Maroc and it had countless sitting rooms, each more pleasant than the last. Essaouira has fresh, clean air, pretty colors, and a relaxed feel. It feels like a vacation town, and people were friendly. And the, We had a lovely dinner. As we were leaving the restaurant, two Moroccan men started chatting with us. They said one of them owned a restaurant and invited us for tea. 
This would be one of the countless invitations from men in Morocco. These two had a whiff of sleaze, so we declined. As we walked home, we became aware that we were quite the oddity and quickly ventured back to our watch tower hotel room. After the requisite breakfast of tea and bread at our Villa Morocco Hotel, we sought out the ramparts. These were impressive and old. It's where Orson Welles filmed Othello. Back at the hotel, I walked up the three flights of stairs to our room to use the bathroom, which is not attached to the room, which is odd. <laughs> and then I noticed three Americans having a picnic on the roof terrace right in front of our room. We took our books and maps out to use one of the tables and started chatting with the American folks. The girl, about 30, with a short haircut and clothes, bush clothes, turned out to be a Peace Corps volunteer whose parents were visiting Morocco. Dina was her name, and she was friendly as could be, and a wealth of information on Morocco. She was attractive in a natural way and provided us with hotel suggestions and destination preferences. She and her parents were so kind they invited us to their room to show us rugs they had bought and how much they should cost. As we were leaving to go to their room, I went to shut our room door, only to notice someone coming out. It was an English tourist who didn't know it was a hotel room, as probably nobody would, and he apologized for wandering into our bedroom. After the rug show, my friend went to the sitting room for tea as I climbed the stairs to get my journal, and lo and behold... Here were some other tourists looking at our bedroom. <laughs> One was a dashingly handsome blonde European, and he was with two friends. As I went to unlock the door, they immediately asked if they could, if it was a room and if they could see it. I don't know how my friend and I lucked into this novelty room. <laughs> my interest was piqued by this friendly, seemingly single, good-looking man. We all chatted for a bit until I realized that the tea downstairs was probably getting cold, so I excused myself and ran to tell my friend about the good news. We had tea, and then the two European men, sans the woman, appeared and asked if they could join us. How nice! They ordered a bottle of wine, and we all started to get acquainted. The handsome blonde man was named James, and the other was named Nikolai. James Good looks turned ugly quicker than you could say pompous Euro trash. <laughs> the statements coming out of his mouth were nothing short of dumbfounding. He told my friend and I that he and Nikolai used to be lovers, but Nikolai was now married to a woman. He also asked uh, my friend, who was that incredibly ugly woman you were talking to earlier? Meaning Dina. What a snot! There was no end to his negative, self-serving babble. He hated Los Angeles, he hated Morocco, and he seemed to be lying about everything he talked about. He said he was an actor-model, but got tired of being in the public eye, so now he doesn't work. I was at the breaking point when he said his girlfriend was a beautiful woman, but that she loses all her beauty when she sleeps. I retorted with, well, how do you look when you sleep? He didn't like that one bit, and then after a while, all he said was, tousled. Then he asked if my friend and I were lovers. <laughs> my, we just decided we got a split and went to dinner. So much for handsome strangers. So I flew with this girl who likes to eat a lot of apples. And actually, she got me re-interested in apples. She was like, why aren't you eating apples? They say, uh, you know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Why don't you eat more apples? So I was like, all right, I'll eat. I'll eat more apples. <laughs> and it's an easy thing to take with you on your trips because uh, they don't be refrigerated. Um, you know, it's sometimes nice to have something 
uh, fresh and crisp. Anyway, she said she was going into Honolulu, where they're really particular about uh, any fruits and vegetables coming in, and you can get in big trouble. And she got pulled over um, by the, the agriculture people, and she's thinking, I don't think I have any apples. I, th- I didn't think I brought any apples, right? I don't have any apples. But the dog, the dog is going like apoplectic about her bag. And so the lady's like, uh, there's got to be something in here because this, do- this dog knows. And she was like biting her lip going, oh, I don't know. I hope I don't have any apples. And then she says to her, here, hold this. And she hands her the demo equipment. We used to, um, our airline, we used to have to carry it around with us, a stupid oxygen mask. Sorry, I shouldn't say stupid, but it was just kind of a drag. Now they have it on the plane, so we don't have to carry it around, the oxygen mask and the seatbelt. And so uh, she said, here, hold this. And out of the oxygen mask is plops an apple into our hand. And she just quietly put it behind her back. And she's thinking, that's what the dog was looking for. That's what the dog smelled. And the lady was like, uh, oh, I don't I don't see anything. I don't know. Sorry about that. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> Score. Pan Am Flight 10 gets off of an eight and a half hour Frankfurt to Atlanta or to New York flight. I mean, that's just unbelievable. It's so long. So she's like, well, and now I got to go and get on the Q10 bus to go up to Q Garden to where I live. She goes, but I'm not going in uniform because every time I do people just bought the crap out of me. So she goes into the ladies room into the lounge and she changed into wear jeans and a t-shirt. She goes out front, gets on the Q10 bus, goes all the way to the very back row, sits down, puts her bag underneath the seat in front of her and opens a book and says, ah, let me oh. learn, let me learn. So these guys are going gone not too long after she did. And this one guy he looks and he's like Gorgeous. She's got to be a flight attendant because this bus started from the airport. I really want to find out who, but I feel so stupid walking through. He flies like Forrest Gump. So he sees that the seat right in front of us vacant, so he goes and sits down. He's like, now what do I do? And he looks down and he sees that her bag is under his seat. He's like, Luggage tags, of course. So he's down looking and looking and never. So he's like, oh, Suddenly, ding, the light bulb goes on. He turns around and he looks at her. He goes, I bet one airline can make a difference, huh? She's just like, oh, come on. She goes back to her book and like, shoot, I'm cutting it. <laughs> turns around the second time. Bet you love to fly. Shows. She's like, eh, weirdo. He goes back to her book. He's like, damn, it's not Delta. Oh, I bet you any dough she's a sky Nazi. So he turns around, he looks at her, he goes, I bet you something special in there, aren't you? At that, she takes it, and she throws it down on the seat next to her. She's like, what the f*** do you want? He's like, oh, Pan Am. <laughs> this beautiful girl. I mean, she was, you know, sometimes there are a lot of pretty girls, but then there's sometimes where you go like, gosh, she's just gorgeous. And uh, we were just talking about certain things. And uh, she, 
she brought up randomly. I don't even know how we got to this. Is she goes, well, I'm really self-conscious about my hands. And I was looking at her hands and I was thinking, there's nothing wrong with her hands. They look like perfectly normal hands. And I said, well, why are you self-conscious about your hands? And she goes, my first boyfriend, I was like in my, I was like 20 years old and we went home to meet the parents and his mother held out her hands to meet me and I put my hands out and she took my hands and she said out loud to this girl and her boyfriend, um, oh, her hands are all wrinkled and she's got fat fingers. And <laughs> the, the mother probably just didn't want anybody dating her precious son. There was absolutely nothing wrong with this girl's hands. And now she said, oh, for ever since that, now for like 20 years, I hide my hands because I've got wrinkled hands and fat fingers. And I'm like, that mean mother. She, she got this be beautiful, gorgeous girl self-conscious about her hands for nothing. Mean lady. They were in a, just remember, picture this now, redneck out in western Kansas. They had been to a rodeo. So it's my dad and his brother and then my twin sisters who are flippin' hilarious. And they were wild asses. And um, they were in the car with my dad and my uncle and then my baby sister. So there were five in the car. My baby sister's really funny too, but she's more quiet and more. And um, my, my dad was an alcoholic and my uncle was an alcoholic. <laughs> and yeah, and so my dad was driving and he got pulled over and he's out there getting his, um, you know, doing the DUI test, yeah, sobriety test. And my uncle's in the car, or it's a truck. And my uncle's in the truck with my three sisters. Right. And they're all in there illegally anyway because they're packed in there. They don't have seat belts. Right. I mean, it's a, it's not a double, it's a single cab truck. Right. Five people in a single oh Okay. So, yeah. Redneck. So, um, so um, my uncle sits there and he goes, hey, I think we could take him. <laughs> We could roll him. We could. T and my sisters are like, "What, Larry? Uncle Larry? What?" And my baby sister's like, "Oh my God, Uncle Larry!" <laughs> and he was, he was like, "No, I'm serious. We could take him. You can." Yes. He was like, "You could." He was telling my sisters to get out and take this car. Oh my and God. Yeah. It's it must, and to listen to my sisters tell the story, it's freaking hilarious. <laughs> So there was a story a couple months ago that I didn't want to really talk about. I was afraid maybe there'd be lawsuits because we had to zip tie someone, but um, it was totally um, warranted. She hit a flight attendant. She spit on a flight attendant. <laughs> she bit a flight attendant. Luckily, we had three guys. It took three guys to zip tie her because she was on whatever. She was on some sort of club drug. We don't know what kind of drug, but she was on drugs. But I thought I would just tell you a couple of the funny parts of that story, not go into the whole long dramatic story but the funny parts um there was a part a, a time at the plane on the plane where we thought she had a seizure but what it turned out we think later with everything that happened that she had overdosed on drugs and then later on in the flight when maybe she had come down a little bit she started dancing 
dancing in the aisle, spinning around, uh, putting your hands in the air, hands out to the side, karate chopping, just spinning, 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 uh, like a like a we were calling it like a voodoo tribal dance. So we had three. Luckily, we had three guys on that trip, and they got her to be back by the galley so that she really wasn't um, disturbing the other passengers. At this point, she wasn't. Um, being violent. She was just dancing. We couldn't get her to stop dancing. She's dancing, 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 spinning, karate chopping. <laughs> she had a lot of energy from whatever she had taken. Her eyes were all dilated, but the, the, the few funny parts of the whole story were that uh, she's dancing, 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 and then she'd stop and say, I like your outfit, and then dancing, 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 and are you a Christian? And then dancing and dancing. <laughs> and then after, um, it was like on descent into Europe where she started getting violent and she hit and spit and bit and swore and did all that. So um, the guys had already gotten the zip ties out because with all that dancing, she danced for hours. Uh, with all that energy, we, we didn't know. We're hoping that's all she was going to do is dance, but we were right that that wasn't it. And so uh, after she hit and spit and swore... <laughs> Uh, the big guy, we had a really big guy on the trip. He goes to get the zip ties and she goes, where are you going with those? And he goes, oh, it's over, honey. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. That's cool.